Shalom, brothers and sisters, and welcome to this Rosin Fire live stream. Uh, we're so excited to be here with you guys. Honored for you to join us tonight. Um, my name is PD. This is my wife. Hey, everyone. My name is Christina, and we're so excited that you can join us. And we hope you'll be edified and encouraged by this message. Amen. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about a very uh, we think a very, very important and much needed topic today. And that is really the topic of this world that we have found ourselves in this thing we call life. And what is the big picture of life? What is the 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 war that we have found ourselves to be in the middle of? You may not know it, but we are in a war, brothers and sisters. Uh, we are in a war where there is two kingdoms at play, a kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. Satan within the kingdom of darkness, and he is at he is fighting for people. He is trying to to to, to cause destruction, and then we have God, Yeshua the Messiah, known as Jesus Christ. He came to bring deliverance for his children because he his original intent was for us to be blessed because he is the creator of the universe, and so. We now have find ourselves in this battle and we want to talk a little bit about what is this battle about so we can understand as people how we can really fight it. Because really what the enemy wants to do is something quite simple. He wants to create his character within you. He wants to make you the way he is. You know, Satan is this character who is... Uh, one who brings shame, destruction. He he's always been out. Uh, uh, pride has always been the the root issue, right? He's always been trying to um, hurt, steal, kill, and destroy the father of lies. Right. To cause destruction and really to push on others to get there, right? And so anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about that. You know, when we think about um, this kingdom, this this battle. Humankind is really Satan's vehicle of operation. And what I mean by that is, is that if we were to take away every single person away off the face of the earth today, uh, there, Satan is not going to have much to work with anymore. Think about it. Um, how he works is through people, right? He he tries to change our nature. That's what he did with with uh, Adam and Eve. Oh, by the way, if you hear some thunder, it's a beautiful thunderstorm outside tonight. So uh, that's what that is. Glory to God. The new rain is coming. <laughs> um, Lots of it. <laughs> right. Um, what? Um, but what I was saying is that Satan, like in the in the garden with Adam and Eve, you know, he was trying to tell him, you know, oh, but, you know, I will make you like a God. Right. So he's he was attacking their identity really god was saying i made i made you in my image right to mankind but satan comes and says no but i have a different identity that i want to put in you that is mine my character my identity if you will so that i can control you by it and so he is inside people he tries to get inside people because that's how he can bring his kingdom forward so if he Here's the thing, though, is if we can stop him from operating in us, from trying to put his from putting his character in us, we can stop him in our lives. We can stop him from from building his kingdom because his kingdom is built through the manipulation of mankind. Yes. And, you know, when Satan, when the enemy comes to us, he doesn't usually come all burying his teeth, all ugly and nasty, because, of course, then we would at least if we're believers and we love the Lord, we would probably recognize that. And we'd go like, ah, oh, no. The enemy comes to us in mm. the form of compromise, in the form of complacency, in the form of, you know, I'm just pursuing this momentary happiness and, you know, what my flesh desires in that moment. It sounds good. Like what the serpent told Adam and Eve mm. in the garden. You know, you can be like God. That sounded pretty good. Right. And that's what the enemy comes to us to tell us a lie that sounds so good, but it's destructive. Yeah. And the, the really, I guess, the scary thing, if you want to call it that, is that he tries to do so even through believers. 
You know, the moment that you become a believer, the moment you get baptized and, you know, you start following Jesus, it's not like Satan's like, oh, I'm, oh, no, it's over. Hands off. Oh, no, <laughs> we lost that one. It's over. No, actually, in yeah. fact, quite the opposite. I can't mm -hmm. tell you how many times I think it's, if I could put a statistic, it's close to 100% of the time when people start getting more on fire for God, that's when things get harder, actually. Yes. The, the, the persecution in terms of how Satan is trying to fight to get them back into his kingdom just increases. And so we need to be careful because he's trying to get in and work through believers without them even knowing. And that's really dangerous because if he could do that, then he if, if you know, if a believer acts like Satan does, but he, they call themselves a believer. Oh, well, I follow Jesus, but yet I have all these sins and I um, I have no love. I, I hate and, you know, all these things. Then other people see that and then we are actually part of destroying the true image of who God is because we're supposed to be ambassadors of him, ambassadors of loving our enemies and all of his characteristics. Right. Instead of bearing the image of our father in heaven, being an image bearer of the kingdom of light, we're bearing a different image and it is one of darkness, even if we don't see it. Right. So the world, you know, uh, the Bible teaches that Satan is the God of this world. He is in control in terms of in terms of the evil that has been spreading and the destruction. And so the world has become this this place full of hooks and traps, which we can easily fall into. Mm. And so, you know, just let's just make an example. Uh, when we grow up, you know, and, uh, you know, if you grew up with television and that's, you know, my generation and the generation probably before that and so on, you know, the television tells you that when you become 13 years old, you know, you you are on the age limit. You've passed the age restriction of watching shows that are rated 13 or 14. And then the next the next milestone is is 16. Right. And and when I get to 16, the world tells me I can watch shows that are 16 rated. And then when I get at 16, okay, now the next milestone is 18. And the world tells me when I get to 18 years old, I get something really great. Now I can watch movies full of sex scenes. Now I can, um, if you're depending on where you grow up, maybe the age restriction is 21. You can get drunk, you know, you can legally even, you know, drink as much as you want, as long as you're happy and as long as you don't hurt anyone else. Right. Or, you know, uh, when you get 18 years old, you can now legally just abandon your parents, marry someone without their blessing and run away, you know, and, you know, and if. You know, so we have all these these things that the world says is what is healthy and good. But the, but that while it can be legally OK, it may not be true. Biblically, it may not be healthy. It may not be prosperous or biblical for us. It may not be what God's will is for us. So what does this teach us? It teaches us that there is spiritual maturity and there is a physical maturity and those things aren't linked. Believe it or not, there are when you, even though you can get 16 or 18 years old or you can get 21 or you can get 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 years old. That does not mean that you are actually mature. There are people who are 40 years old who still act like children and there are people who are 18 years old who act like grown up adults who are Wise beyond their years, or even fifteen-year-olds. I've met them, <laughs> and twelve-year-olds. Right, exactly. So we we see that there's this spiritual maturity thing, and this thing is actually connected. Is is, is very much interlinked with righteousness, with with how we um, act, with how we grow. Because you see, the more you grow spiritually, the more righteous you're gonna be. The more good fruits you're gonna have. Mm -hmm. The more you're ultimately gonna be like Yeshua was. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case with with normal age. That's just not the case with um, how we grow in our physical uh, maturity. And so I'm saying this because I want us to realize that what the Messiah wants us to do is grow spiritually. He is we can reach all these physical milestones, 
But he is, that's why he said, let the little children come after me, right? He's focused on them because he wants them to understand who he is because he understands that, look, it's their children, but they can, he talks about the faith of a child, right? That, that there is actually, believe it, look, God's kingdom is upside down in many ways. There is sometimes more faith that children have than what an adult has. How is that? Like, you know, that child in a certain light is more mature than in some adults who have, who are filled with unbelief mm. and who struggle to grasp, you know, believe what God's word simply right. can say. So, you know, I want to let's, let's talk about another example. You know, biblically, uh, we have the Samaritan women, the Samaritan women at the well. You guys all most of you would know this story, right? Famous story. This woman at the well, she's there and she's um, uh, drawing water right and the messiah comes and he meets her and he's talk, starts talking to her and, and he starts telling her about you know they start talking about this water she's drawing and then and then he calls he gets a word of knowledge and he says you have you're, you're right you know you don't have the one you're with is not your husband right now because you have had five husbands before and the one you're now is not a husband your husband mm-hmm. right so he's First off, he's telling her, okay, look, I know, I I see what's happened. I see where you are. I see that, look, what she's in is sin, right? She's um, with a man that's not even her husband, right? And and there's obviously something wrong because she's jumping from one man to another, okay? he Now, get what he does. He doesn't go and point a finger. He's, he, is, he, is point, he is making, he's making known to her that he knows where she is, he knows where she's from, he knows who she, he knows all, he knows she's a Samaritan woman, okay, he's making known to her, I know everything, because you need to understand, the Samaritan woman, as she stood before him, was like the, if I could call it the, the epitome of um, a rejected person in the first century, because she was a Samaritan, Jews had no dealings with Samaritans, secondly, she was a woman, in society who was seen as lesser in that society, not in God's eyes, but in this cultural eyes, uh, women were seen as lesser. And this is not just uh, any woman. This woman has been with five husbands before. So not in God's eyes, but in the culture's eyes, she has seen as, you know, lesser because of all of that. And so the Messiah is basically letting her know. I know about all these things. And she immediately, I'm just going to guess, you know, if she was... Her guard goes up. You know, what's he going to say? Is he going to attack me like everyone else does? He's going to reject me like everyone else does. But what does he do? Right. He doesn't. In fact, he, he, he makes known, I think he actually makes known to her the fact that he knows all these things simply so he can show her mm-hmm. his love for her. Because what he says next, you know, he tells her, I'm going to, I can, you, you come in here every day for water. I can give you water that you will, when you get it, you'll never go thirsty again. You know, what he's really saying is, you know, you have been going from man to man to man to man. You've been jumping from one thing to the next. You have been trying to take a drink here. Mm -hmm. And then that didn't work out. You know, maybe we don't know what the backstory is. Maybe she was abused. You know, maybe she was, um, you know, uh, maybe... Maybe the man was, maybe that marriage just fell apart. Okay, whatever happened, we don't really know. But then she went to the next one. She escaped from that husband, ran to the next husband. Okay, this husband is going to fill me. Same thing happened. Same thing happened over and over and over again. We see that she's jumping from one thing to the next. She's coming to one well, going to the next well, going to the next well. Just like she's standing at this well now with the Messiah. And he's saying, well, the solution to all of this is drink of me. You're thirsty. You know there's something missing, don't you? You know that there's, you know, you've been trying to satisfy this, but let me show you what's missing. You need to drink of me. And when she figured out that he was the Messiah, that's the very thing that she went ahead to do. So we see that this beautiful story, the Messiah is showing us that there, there, there are many Samaritans, Samaritan women. Can I call it? Like, there's, like, can we say it like this? There's many Samaritan women in this world today. In fact, I think that all people who do not know him are like that, and there's different symptoms, right? Right. I mean, 
what was a Samaritan woman doing? Like PD mentioned, she's going from one well to the next well to the next well, one husband to the next husband to the next husband. And again, we don't know her backstory, but we do know that there was a void that she was trying to fill, that she was rejected. And because of that, she was looking for fulfillment, for affection, for love. She was trying to fill that void. And we have those exact same symptoms in our world and in our culture, even in believers' lives today. When we're jumping from one high, perhaps, to the next to fill a void. But why do we have that void? And that is the question. Yeah. And it can really look like many different things. It could look like relationships, jumping from one man or one woman to right. the next. Uh, it could be a drug addiction. Can You can run to alcohol. You can run to, you know, even your cigarettes or... You know, you can run to pornography. Mm. Uh, you think that, you know, if I can just um, try and satisfy mm. this lust inside me, I'm going to feel better. You think that, you know, if I can just get a husband who makes me happy, I'm going to feel better. Mm. If if I just get married, then all my problems will go away because uh, I'm yeah. married. Or don't seek fulfillment in finding that perfect person because they'll make your life perfect. Because that is <laughs> that does not exist. Yeah. Everyone is broken, but when you come together, it's to have two broken people come together. But with God, a three-chord strand is not easily broken because He's at the center. But when we look for things or for people to fill a void, mm. we'll find that it's never filled. Mm. Yeah, if the reason that you're coming to someone is to fill that void that God is supposed to mm -hmm. fill, and and let me just I'm gonna just say it how it is. All right, on here. Um, if someone does not know God, and we see this in the lives of un people who do not believe in God, who have relationships and marriages, they are never satisfied in their marriage. Never. Mm -hmm. Because they're, they've always, from the beginning, thought that going into their marriage or relationship, this is going to make them feel better. But they never get to that place of feeling the way they want because the hole is not going to be filled by a partner. The hole is not going to be filled by watching enough pornography or drinking enough or 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 getting enough likes on Facebook. Mm. All right. Uh, that hole is only going to be filled by God. And you know what we do then is next we try and seek validation from people. We start running to people uh, and social media on social media. This is rampant. I mean, um, people are continuously trying to seek validation from their peers on whatever it is you know their um fleshly acts if you will or you know whatever and so they're and so they're trying to get that because here's what happens the enemy okay we're not going to be we have to be mindful of him he right. comes and he plants a little thought he, he whispers into our ear a little little thing and then we go and we have a friend maybe a friend who's not mature in the lord who's not spiritually mature and and we ask them oh what do you you know you i feel so depressed you know i feel so you know suicidal or you know i feel okay whatever it is you know and they'll tell you oh you feel depressed yes oh no you're depressed you're depressed yes you're depressed oh that's horrible it must be this or that in your life it must be this and it must be you know Okay, and so then we're like, yeah, you know what? And then this person is speaking because this person is not spiritually mature, mm -hmm. but we're getting validation for our depression. So now we allow this thought to manifest and take root in our heart. And now depression, that spirit of depression is allowed to oppress us because we have given it authority. And uh, that's how it starts. And now we are because we are surrounded, surrounding ourselves with bad company, right. which the scripture says corrupts good character character you see like satan's character is placed in us through bad company who has it in them already mm -hmm. this is the danger that we face and that is one of the dangers that we can come across on social media whatever that might be twitter facebook you know your pick or even just texting with our peers and our friends that we have a soapbox now we can say anything we want and if we get a lot of likes a lot of comments like pd was saying that does validate us and whether it's true or not what we're saying, we feel and we believe that it is true now because 50 people liked my post. Right. However. It must be true. Exactly. I mean, 100 people like my post. That is, that's even more true. Definitely then. true, no matter what I said. Right. <laughs> but no. If we, if we look deep enough and hard enough, we'll, we're going to find people who will agree 
with the most demonic thoughts that we could muster up, right? Um, and that's that's the big problem that we face. So I want to make an example in the scriptures here. 1 Kings 12 verse 7. Um, you want to maybe read it for us, Christina? This is the story of the king who went ahead and, you know, he was trying to get counsel. And he first went to the elders and then he went to some of his own peers to get validation for mm. what he really wanted. Mm. So we have in 1 Kings 12, verse 7. And they, the elders, said to him, the king, If you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. But he, the king, abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him and took counsel with the young men, his peers, who had grown up with him and stood before him. And he said to them, What do you advise that we answer this people who have said to me, Lighten the yoke that your father put on us? And the young men who had grown up with him said to him, Thus shall you speak to this people who said to you, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus you shall say to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. Yeah, let me just explain, you know, for those of you who've never heard this before, right? The the context is really that there's a people that are under this king who are asking the king, King, will you please lighten the load of work that we have? And then, you know, the king goes to the um, elders and the elders, the wise men say, if you want to be wise, don't, uh, if you want to have these people serve you forever, don't make, you need to lighten the load because it's unfair how lighten it is. Lighten the yoke. Yeah, lighten the yoke. But then the king doesn't really like that. Nah, I don't like that. I think I'll go to my friends. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I don't like what my mom and dad has to say. So I'm just going to go and look at what my friends has to say. And I'm going to seek validation from them. Right? Is that you know, that, that's something I'm sure that as teenagers, you know, if, when we were back when we were teenagers, you know, we we people gravitate towards that kind of thing. And even not as teenagers, only young adults mm -hmm. into adulthood, people still want that. They want that validation. But now I want you to pay attention right to what this uh, these people actually said. We see that these um, the you know, the the young men, right, said they later when he went to the young men, his peers, they said, I'm going to quote, tell them my little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. And I will, and basically, I will put a heavy yoke on you, is what the king should tell them, even heavier. So, but get what they're saying, the way they're saying this all, it's so interesting because, you know, this, they're speaking in a poetic way. My little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. My father, who put these burdens on you, he's got nothing compared to how how much I am, right? How much a burden I'm going to put on you. And they're, they're using these sweet words, these, these poetic ways of speech. And it, it just sounds like so wise, like the, just the, the way for the unlearned. It just sounds so wise. But see, that's the difference between wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God brought on by the nothing but the Holy Spirit. Look, the, the wisdom of God is not something you go to seminary to get. Uh, going to seminary or get, studying theology or whatever is wonderful. And that can certainly bring about wisdom. But you can still be a PhD in theology and still reject the Messiah. Is that godly wisdom? No, godly wisdom comes from Holy Spirit and intimate relationship with the Father. Nowhere else. And so this was what was what was going on here and so uh, we need to be careful and and really desire and and seek the father's wisdom and surround ourselves with people who are spiritually mature because brothers and sisters there is an epidemic of spiritual spiritually immature people who think they're mature and who are trying to give guidance like these young peers try to give to the king. And why did the king go with them? That's the big question. Because they were telling him what he wants to hear. 
It was music to his ears. That's what he, what he, he went in looking for validation. He was opposed to correction. That's the big thing. And that's one of the hardest things to hear is correction is something like, oh, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing because it's going to hurt you or others. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I want to keep doing what I'm doing. So I think I'll just listen to someone else. But that is showing spiritual immaturity to not listen to and heed biblical correction that brings life. And that, and the reason it's hard is because it takes a lot of humility mm. because, and, and, you know, this is so important, not just to go to people, mature people, spiritually mature people, let me say, but to God every day, we need to go to God and say, Lord, mm. correct me because the word says that cor- he corrects the ones he loves. He disciplines the ones whom he loves. And if you are not being disciplined, if you're not being corrected, you're not a legitimate son. God, because he just like any loving father would show his child the right way when they're off track. That's how our father will go. Right. Uh, He will correct us. And we need to seek that earnestly through our humility. See, the world is going to tell you and we've heard this so much, you know, Mm -hmm. do whatever makes you happy. Mm -hmm. Follow your heart. Follow your feelings. Have we heard that before? Oh, yeah, it's all over the movies, the TV shows. It's what do what feels best to you. If it's having a boyfriend or a girlfriend that your parents don't approve of, well, just follow your heart. Or if it's going a direction that could be even dangerous for your future. But in that moment, it gives you happiness. It gives you fulfillment. Follow your heart. Don't worry about the future. As long as no one else gets hurt. Exactly. But that is worldly. Again, worldly wisdom. And that is Satan trying to imprint his character, his lies and his deceptions on you. Because what does Satan want to do? We know he wants to lie, steal, kill, destroy. And foremost, he wants to destroy your future. You won't see it right now in the present because right now everything looks golden. The, The boyfriend or the girlfriend, they love you. You love them. Everything's wonderful and amazing. But what Satan wants to do is he wants to cover and close your eyes to what God is trying to tell you in that moment of red flags that are there that you don't want to see. But Satan wants to harm, to steal, to kill, to destroy, and to close your eyes so you do not see, close your ears so you do not hear, and to even pull you away from family, from parents that love you and are trying to reach out to you. Yeah. Uh, I think what would be helpful for us to do next is I think we should we, we, we let's talk about like let's get specific on some of the characteristics of our Messiah of, yeah. of Jesus Yeshua and let's get specific on some of the characteristics of the devil. What what does he look like? What does his voice sound like? What does he try to do? And and you know in contrast, what does the Messiah try and do? So um, let's t- let's talk first about the Messiah. So first off, you know I, I just uh, I have a list of things here that that I just you know I was asking the Father and you know, I was thinking of who is he right? And and you will find that you know as we go through these and then we're going to go through some of the characteristics of the enemy and how his he is that these are literally simply polar opposites of one another. Um, because that's how it is. There's, these kingdoms are polar opposite of one another. So first off, um, yes, the, the number one thing which we all know who our Messiah is and what he taught was to love your enemies, love your neighbor, love those who despitefully use you, who hate you, who the world says you're, you ought to hate. You know, so and at that in that note, you know, I think it's so this is the hardest thing. Um, when someone comes at you, when someone is disrespectful, when someone is disagrees with you on Facebook, oh, yeah. that you're allowed to hate them and to be nasty because after all, well, they're wrong. Right. Um, you know, when we go on, you know, Yeshua also in here, this is this is going to be hard for some people to swallow, I mm-hmm. think. But um, Yeshua did not offend people unnecessarily. Don't get me wrong. His life was certainly an offense to many because he of the way he stood up for righteousness. And that that is awesome. Okay, that we're all for that. But he did not unnecessarily go out of his way to offend people just for the sake of offending people. You see, we can offend people because we stand up in the way that we should for God. But we could also offend people because we're trying to stand up for ourselves. 
even using sometimes our wisdom, even our wisdom of the word. Mm -hmm. There's a time and a place and sometimes it's not the time to offend someone. Let me make you an example biblically so you can understand what I'm trying to say here. Um, in Matthew 7, 24, right? This is where uh, Yeshua, um, you guys know the story very well. It's just the part in the scriptures where um, uh, Yeshua went to get the coin from the fish's mouth. He told Peter to fish, he got a coin and then he got a fish and he took the coin out of the fish's mouth to pay the taxes. Okay, you guys remember that story, but you know what people don't always think about is why that coin was needed. Why was that miracle brought forth in the first place? And it was because of the temple tax that um, that that needed to be paid by the Messiah and Peter, because they came to Peter saying, does your Messiah not pay the temple tax? Like, why, why are you guys not, pay-? you know, and then Peter says, uh, no, we, we, you know, and he's kind of, yeah, I think so. You know, he's, it's almost like he's not sure, but yeah, he's kind of saying, yeah. And then he goes to the Messiah and he asks Yeshua, he says, what do you think about this? You know, and then Yeshua says this, right? He says, look, Peter, do those who tax the people, you know, their sons, do the sons of the king also pay taxes? And he says, no. He says, well, just like that those sons are free you are, we are free indeed so he's telling peter on the technical term of uh, technical sense of this no we don't need to pay temple tax because you know that's just how it is we are we are not uh, under that and now but then he says this nevertheless so that we do not offend them pay it and then he says, go get the fish, take the coin. And then they got the coin out of the fish's mouth, the miracle. And, they pay. and basically God provided uh, that miracle for the sake of not offending them. So that these people, because they're, because this temple tax was really a, a, a thing that was kind of um, brought in by Roman authority and other things, you know, and whatever. Okay. Technically, they weren't supposed needed needing to pay it. Biblically speaking, biblically, theologically. Okay. The, but nevertheless, the Messiah went and he realized, is it worth offending these people for the sake of having a petty argument over something that's not really that important right now? Is this the hill you want to die on that I refuse to pay the temple tax? Because I'm right. I know I'm right. Right. That yeah. Messiah knew he was right. He told Peter he was right. But he still said to not offend them. Let's pay this tax. Because how would they reach those people, even those who were requesting the temple tax and those around if they are abstaining from doing something that is not even against the Bible. It's something that's not required, like Yeshua said, as a son, but it's not against the word of God either. Yeah, it's not sin to do either, right? Exactly. So I think it's important to bring up because mm -hmm. they weren't definitely, they were certainly not sinning no, by paying it. No, and they weren't really, they weren't compromising either. So, um, but I do think that it's important for us to really think about, you know, how would or let me say, ask God, God, yes, I, this can be a time right now. Yeshua could have very well went and started an argument there and said, well, technically we're free and we don't need to. And this is why, and this is why. And he could, you know, quote scripture and he could start a debate. He could have done that, and he, but he didn't. Why? Because he didn't, he, he dropped his pride. He put his, he didn't have pride. He, hum, he was humble and he realized that this is not worth it right now. And so, brothers and sisters, we need to be in the same way. You need to think about, you know, is it necessary for me to start this thing and offend people, whatever it is, right, that's in front of you? Or is this a place where I could go and just put down the weapons and love these people where they are, even though they don't fully understand the things that you may understand yet? You know, you don't have to show them how smart you are. It's not necessary. True love and true humility comes in play here when we're willing to put down uh, our desire to prove ourselves and to uh, for the desire of loving others. Right. So I think it's very important. Um, Yeshua, therefore, and this plays in with the, the point, he considered others as more important than himself. He focused more on others. He focused more on their interests, their, the, the weak people than himself. He made, that means he made sacrifices, therefore, 
um, because of that, right? So do, are you a person who consider others more important than yourself? Even people who you, who think you, who you think are mean, evil even people you think are evil. Are you, because Yeshua got on the cross for them, are you willing to? If not, you don't have biz any business trying to correct them. Ooh, that's true. Because the, the only reason the Messiah had any business trying to correct anyone, and he did. And there were many times he tried, he corrected Pharisees, etc. But the only reason he had the, uh, the, can I say, the right to, is because he was willing to get on a cross for them, and he did. So are we? If not, keep quiet. You, you don't have any business trying to bring correction if you're not willing to love someone unto death. That's, that's the message of the gospel. That's what love means. There is no greater love than this to lay your life down for another. For a friend. So, cool. Uh, let's, let's move on to the next one. So he was, uh, you know, he also had no need to be seen by men. You know, he, um, he understood that the Father sees all things. He understood that the Father um, sees how He gives. He understood that the Father sees how He prays. He understood that the Father uh, sees everything. So He humbled Himself, even though He had full right to be worshipped and, and you know... Esteemed by men. He had that right, but He did not seek it out. He did not set Himself up to be in that right. way. So Exactly. Yeah. Um, and because he had no belief that he needed special treatment, you know, even though he did, he, he, by all the full sense of the word, he deserved special treatment for who he was, but he didn't think so because of his humility. He humbled himself. All right. He also never used others for his own gain. And he was always overly gracious before being critical. He was always gracious first. He was only critical, really, of certain people, and those are and those were the ones who um, were the Pharisees. So, you know, that, those are just a few things of, of the things that how our Messiah conducted himself. Of course, we know the fruits of the Spirit. You know, love, peace, joy. You know, self-sacrifice. All these things in Galatians, right? That's part of it. But let's talk about a little bit about what the enemy. The, the can I say the call it the acts of the enemy or the acts of the devil with the characteristics and I want you to now listen to what I'm going to say and I want you to think about each of these things and I want you to think is there any of these attributes in my life or any of these characteristics in my life uh, and you know I want to actually to start this off uh, you know the the world you know what's kind of interesting is there's this thing called narcissism I'm sure many of you have heard about that and that's really what the psychologic psychologists um, label a lot of this, these characteristics. And it's kind of interesting because I want to submit to you that a, the characteristic or the definition of a narcissist is like the devil. Like he is the biggest narcissist from the beginning. And uh, I'm going to read you the textbook to just start this off just for the fun of it. I'm going to read you the textbook um, definition for it. Narcissism is characterized by a grandiose sense of self-importance, a lack of empathy for others, a need for excessive admiration, the belief that one is deserving of special treatment. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, if we, when we open social media, it's just it's just full of it. Uh, there are so many people who have such a high um, degree of self-importance that they feel for themselves. Uh, you know, lack of empathy for others, need, a need for excessive admiration. You know, we need those likes and those loves on our posts. We need to people to like our selfies. That's why we and I'm not against taking a selfie all right, per se. All right. But it can be from this wrongful heart. Um, the belief that one is deserving of special treatment. You know, that's if I believe I need to be treated so specially and someone but someone disrespects me or someone is critical 
of anything I do or say, I'm going to lash out in anger. I'm going to not be able to take correction like mm -hmm. that um, young king we just talked about in the, in, in the book of Kings. Yes. Right. So uh, furthermore, you know, there's also uh, do you want to read some of these? Sure. Christine? Other characteristics of narcissism. And there's a lot you can actually look online. This is one um, definition, but there's many different forms. Exaggeration of achievements. Responding to criticism or correction with anger. Using others for personal gain. Even if they have the sweetest, kindest face. Or if you do, but if you're using someone else for your personal gain. That is the definition of a narcissist. Especially the weak people, mm. you know, it's oftentimes we try and use even and this is the scary part, guys, is um, we will try and use people who we identify as weak, weak sometimes because we can see how that can benefit us. Mm. And that's dangerous. Mm. Being highly critical of others and then becoming jealous very easily. Right. So these are all things that are basically the inverse of the Messiah. And um, I think that they're all uh, very important for us to, to see if we identify with any of them because we don't want to. Mm -hmm. You know, and I want to add to this that, you know, if you're constantly feeling sorry for yourself, mm -hmm. you're feeling like a victim, yes. you're feeling, you know, um, that people are always against you, um, things like that. That's also a very good indicator that you're listening to the wrong voice. Yes. It's a good indicator that the enemy is, is you know, he's telling you, oh, you're shameful and, and condemned and or, you know, you should just kill yourself mm -hmm. or uh, things like, you know, um, uh, um, uh, you know, you should feel sorry for yourself because you made this mistake or you mm -hmm. sinned or, you know, um, even this could also become an unhealthy thing of, of looking inwardly, you know, um, and you're too inwardly focused. That's typically, um, that's sometimes what happens. It's, yeah, that's often what the enemy will do, is the enemy does want to draw our attention to our inward emotions, our feelings, what feels right to us, whether right. it be selfish needs and desires and what we think we need, right. or also tearing us down and having us swirling downwards like depression, suicidal thoughts, condemnation, fear, guilt, shame, doubt, self-hatred even. All of the attention he's made sure to shine the spotlight only inwards so we can go downward and downward in that spiral. But that's the enemy and he brings destruction. That's not God. Yeah. And, you know, you could say, you know, well, things are always, you know, I'm in tribulation. I'm in I'm being persecuted. I'm and then you start feeling sorry for yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's this it becomes a cycle. Well, the Bible says you will be persecuted. The Bible says there will be tribulation. The Bible says things will be hard. The Bible says things will be difficult, especially if you follow the Messiah. But if you allow the enemy to put you in this hole of, mm -hmm. yes, look how horrible this is with me and look how terrible things are. And then you and you're always complaining about that. You know, God said in John uh, chapter 16, he says, you know, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You see, if you're thinking, looking at yourself, you're not looking at Messiah. You're looking at all of the stuff and oh, woe is me. But if you look at Messiah, you're looking at the one who overcame the stuff, who overcame the world. Mm -hmm. And then there's freedom. Then there's deliverance because you're no longer continuously focused on all of these different things. And I found one way because I have, you know, throughout different points in my life, in my teen years, in college, you know, I went through episodes of depression, anxiety, and, you know, I really had to fall on my knees before the Father because at times it was really, really bad. Yeah. Um, but first of all, stop looking inward because it's only going to go downward. Look up because like Petey said, only He overcame. Only He gives life. Only He gives hope. Only He gives deliverance, freedom. And also look at those around you. Something that was really important to me that God showed me is in helping others, there is healing. Uh, God taught me that when you're feeling that, that episode of feeling depressed and just like, what's going on? I don't know why I'm feeling this way today. Go pray for someone. Right. Because when I did that, 
I had the love of Yeshua just poured into my heart for that person. All of a sudden, I wasn't thinking about myself anymore and my struggles and my trials. I was thinking about that person and praying for their back or whatever that, you know, whatever issue it was. And I felt so much better because that is becoming like Yeshua, focusing on him and walking like Yeshua walked. And that brings freedom and healing. Right. I would challenge you, you know, if you were to go out and go and pray, put, go out of your way to, to love on someone, you know, whether it's going up to someone who's filling up gas at the gas station and saying, hey, I want to fill up your car for you because God gave and he loves you. All right. Or maybe you pray for someone. OK, at the grocery store. OK, whatever you do. If you go out of your way to actually love someone like Messiah did, you immediately become this channel of the Holy Spirit and the love of God that's poured right into you um, like a well. And then it is poured out of you into this person. Now, because you are this well, because you have become this channel, doorway. this doorway, this waterway, now that is going to just destroy all of the trash that the enemy has been trying to put in you it mm -hmm. just gets washed right out yes. because um, that's what the messiah's love does but if we go and we lock ourselves in a room and we we just go and we complain to our friends or complain to facebook and we're just seeking the validation for our the feelings and the thoughts that the, what the enemy is already putting there yes. we're not gonna get freedom that way the way we get freedom is by drinking of him like the samaritan woman uh, what if this this is the crazy part, right? What did the Samaritan woman do right after she encountered the Messiah? She went ahead and ran to Samaria and she said, there's this man. He told me everything about my life and he is the Messiah. I believe he's the Messiah. And he was the she was she was the first evangelist of the Well, in that way, you know, like sent out to the Samaritans. So we see that. In, and I want to submit to you that that had a lot to do with what we're talking about in her going and preaching this gospel, this good news of the Messiah who has come to her people. That was what brought her deliverance. That was what brought her so much of the freedom that she has been longing for, looking for, running from one husband to the next. And so that's a, if you're not doing that you know follow this model that the scriptures give us it's very powerful mm -hmm. and effective mm -hmm. so you know uh, i want to also just talk about uh, manipulation because when we are in this if we are in this um, place where we do not when we are you know we can call ourselves christians okay it's a label but if you're in a place where you're listening to the wrong voice you can easily become a manipulator yourself. And, and this is the this is the crazy part. You could work for the enemy's kingdom without even knowing it mm -hmm. and be used by him without even knowing it while calling yourself a believer. Brothers and sisters, this was what happened in the first century with mm -hmm. the people who were all persecuting the Messiah and putting him on that cross. They were mostly religious. I think they were all religious people. You know, most of them were religious, the ones who actually caused him to be put there. And... So there, but the enemy was able to get in their mind and uh, put that there. They were manipulated and they were manipulators. Mm -hmm. um, and so the first thing is that we need to know is most people who are manipulators don't know they are. Like there are people who go out to manipulate on purpose, but there's people who all, I want, I think most people don't. They, mm -hmm. they just start doing so because they've got Satan's character in them and they don't even know it. And Luke 6 uh, chapter uh, chapter 6 verse 45 tells us that what the heart is full of messiah said mm -hmm. the mouth runs over from so if your heart is full of the enemy's character the mouth is going to run over now you know if, if if i'm someone let's just make an example right here let's just say i'm someone who you know i feel uh, depressed i feel all these things and i run to christina you know and if she does not know god if she's got is not spiritually mature she may, you know, she may just say, oh, yeah, that's that's horrible. You know, I go and I tell her how horrible my mom has been to me or how, mm. you know, my dad acted towards me or how my friend acted towards me or how my boss acted towards me or and whatever. And I'm looking for validation right here. And I'm like, Christina, you wouldn't understand how horrible my boss was. And, you know, and and, and whatever. And, and now I'm I'm seeking this validation. And if she's not full of the wisdom of God, spiritually mature, mm. she's going to she's going to feed that thing in the wrong way. And she's going to say, instead of saying, 
Petey, yes, he is acting, she, she might say, you know, Petey, he's acting like an enemy towards you right now. But Petey, you need to love him because he doesn't understand what he, who he is. He understands what he's doing. And remember what our Messiah told us. He told us to love. Mm -hmm. That's what the spiritually mature Christina would tell me. And it might not be easy to hear. Right. The spiritually immature or the person who is not even a believer in God at all will soothe you, tell you all the words you want to hear. Right. And that's she, not going to help. <laughs> she will then, she would otherwise, you know, if she was spiritually immature, she would reinforce the hatred yeah. in my heart. She would reinforce the unforgiveness. She would, in fact, blow it up. Because she would participate, because simply by participating in the conversation and approving of my feelings, she will basically be blowing it bigger. Even if she's not intentionally blowing it up, she, by simply validating my feelings, she is. And she is doing, she would then be doing Satan's work. So this is just one example of how easily she can then, man she's then man a manipulator and she would then be manipulating um uh, uh, this thing into something much bigger. By the way, my wife is not that. She is so wise. Um, but we're just trying to give you guys an example. Um, so uh, next, I wanted to, I don't know if you had anything to add there. No, okay. Um, uh, I wanted to, let me just see where I am here. Um, oh, yes. Okay. So, brothers and sisters, we want to start uh, just as we, as we round this up, you know, um, I think that the solution is what we need to talk about here. Like what is the, because what we've talked about a lot in this now is symptoms. Mm -hmm. You know, we've talked about a lot of things that are symptomatic of a bigger issue because if, you know, whatever the sin issue is in your life, whether it's maybe you're someone who foster hatred so much, maybe you, you hate and you, you, you have wrath, wrathful outbursts, uh, all the time when you are criticized or when someone just is a little disres is disrespectful to you or, you know, all these, whatever, maybe. Um, maybe it's like the Pharisee in the parable that Yeshua told. I thank God that I am not like other men. Pride, lack right. of humility and lack of. Pride. Maybe it's you love pointing the finger mm. because that's what that Pharisee did. Right. He's um, he's saying, oh, thank you, God. I'm not like that tax collector that that tax tax collector had issues that tax collector was a sinner but in that and so there was things to point out but he still had no business to mm. that's the crazy thing because of his pride mm. so uh what what is it right uh we need to see okay so we have these symptoms but what but what is the core issue yeah we know it's an issue of pride but we can easily go and we can try and say, okay, I'm going to try and stop watching pornography or, or I'm going to, I'm going to stop trying to seek the fulfillment in my relationships or I'm going to try. Okay. But you're just whacking a mole here. Mm -hmm. And there's another mole that's going to just jump up. If you just go for the symptom, mm -hmm. the issue is, is that God is not present in your life the way he's supposed to be. Not because of his, not because it's his fault. You see, God is there. He's waiting. It's like a, you know, imagine like a chess game. We make a move, God makes a move. We make a move, God makes a move. God made the last move. He's waiting for you to make the move. God is standing right there. He's close by. He's on uh, on the edge of his seat and he's waiting for you to say, God, I am done with all this stuff because it, I now see that it doesn't fulfill me. I see that it doesn't um, satisfy me. I see that this well, I have to come back to this, this, this well over and over like the Samaritan woman, but it's not satisfying me. And then he says, well, come to me. You are weary. You are burdened. Come and I will give you rest. I will give you satisfaction, fulfillment. And so we need to cultivate intimacy with God. And I'm not just talking about reading your Bible, studying the word. There are people who do that, but who have no intimacy with God. Or people who do that, who do not truly know God because God, it's not just monologue. Christina always likes to say, it's not a monologue. It's a dialogue. You're speaking and you're listening. Exactly. So, you know, God can certainly do that through his word too, but prayer is so important, right? We need to go and we need to make a, be intentional about entering his presence every day. 
We need to be intentional about getting before him on our knees and saying, Lord, here we are. God, speak to me, Lord. And then you you speak to him and have that time with him, that intimate time with him. And you also need to pour out your heart before God in that time. Because, you know, God is not, he's, he's not stupid. Um, he knows if, if you're going to just say, oh, you know, I need, let me let me go and pray now because that's my duty. That's what I have to do. And that's now I'm putting I'm doing it. And OK, I did it. Now I did it. And, and now it's done. Like if that's the way imagine imagine a relationship with a wife or a husband. Imagine I, I the way I act towards my wife is, oh, yeah, no, I have to spend time with you. OK, um, so let's just let's just. Um, if we have to, then sure. I guess we can spend five minutes, but right. that's all I can give you today. I'm going to set a timer on this yeah. phone. Mm-hmm. And uh, when this timer is up, yeah. you know, I'm done. So, just so I, because then I've done it. You've got your five minutes. I should be good enough for you. Uh, right. <laughs> God, if we're like that towards God, like God is not, he's, that's not good. Like we need to pour out our heart mm-hmm. before him. We need to be there because we want to be there because we know we need him. We, we need to be there. And also, you know, when the scripture talks about praying without ceasing, now sometimes we get this idea in our heads that means we have to be always on our face and we can't do anything or we're unproductive. No, no, no. It means throughout the day, whatever you're doing, wherever Mm. you are, you're driving, you're in the middle of working, Mm. you're, you know, cooking. It doesn't matter what you're doing, where you are. You're constantly connected to him. You know, you're saying breath prayers Mm. or you're having longer times of that close fellowship with him in his presence on your face. But no matter where you are, what you're doing, there's that connection with him mm. yeah i think it's like there that's so important mm-hmm. he's we we have to be praying continually and and continually be mindful of him and letting his presence be near us you know the moment we start thinking of him we invite his presence like that's mm-hmm. how easy it is because of the new this new covenant and the veil that's torn and the holy spirit in us the moment we just think of god phew, mm-hmm. like his presence is there whether you feel him or not by the way because it's not about feelings but it's about knowing he's there it's about mm. trusting. That's what faith yes. is. It's I know he's there. Mm. And you'll see that when you start having faith and knowing and trusting that he's there, mm. you know, you will start experiencing his presence more and more and more. But you need to be uh, intentional about that. It's not just sometimes God can show up in the middle of the day if you're not thinking about him, boom, and you, you experience him or whatever. But but you need to more often be intentional about mm thinking on him and his mm. and, and, and praying and speaking to him about things right and thanking him for all he has done having mm. that thankful heart yeah um and i would also say you know then mm. when you're in that presence yeah. repentance that's mm. a place for that to happen it's a place for forgiveness of your enemies to happen mm. if those things aren't happening we will struggle in our relationship with god because those things are going to be a barrier because Messiah said, if you do not forgive those who have done wrong against you, your father in heaven will not forgive you. So if our father in heaven, if we are, if we are fostering hatred in our heart against someone, you know, there is an issue in our relationship with God now, too. It's not just about our relationship with that person. It's, it's a bigger issue for us because mm-hmm. it hampers our relationship with God. Yeah, we know like in the scripture, it said that if you have something against your brother, leave your gift at the altar and go make it right with your brother first then go make that offering amen and then we also what's very important for intimacy with god is worship Mm. intentionally going okay with music without music however you prefer whatever is possible getting and worshiping getting before god and worshiping Mm. god just like worship him thankfulness um you know praise uh all of these things towards mm-hmm. the Father, it's so important because He deserves it. Yes. And um, when we worship Him, we are reminded of who we are and who He is. We're reminded of that we are His servant and Son, and He is the Father, the Creator of the universe. So mm-hmm. if we don't worship, we don't have fear of God. Mm-hmm. If you want more fear of God, have more worship. It's one of the things you could do. And if you have no fear of God, you're going to think you're going to be able to get away with your sin. You're going to think you're going to be able to get away with your manipulation Mm. or your pride 
or your whatever. Yeah, think of the angels. We know in Revelation it talks about the angels are before his throne singing nonstop, you know, holy, holy, holy are you Lord God Almighty. Mm. And if they are able to sing and worship him mm. all day, all night, there's no night in heaven, but <laughs> nonstop, <laughs> how much more should we who have a real reason to even be saying that and to have such gratitude and thankfulness because Yeshua died for us. We have that greater reason to be singing, holy, holy, holy are you. Mm. You know, God, you're mm. so amazing. God, thank you for everything mm. you've done on my behalf. Mm. You know, also just in regards to worship, we know, I think it's in Chronicles, King Jehoshaphat. I have, I think that's the right king. Um, you know, when the enemy was coming against them, what did he do? He sent the worshipers out in front, those who were worshiping the Father. Mm. And because of the worship, God routed the enemy. They went and the enemy's camp was already taken care of. God had already taken care of it because it was the, you could say, the warfare of worship that mm. went forward. Worship is warfare. Don't downplay it. And also don't allow it to become this feel-good kind of emotional experience where it just becomes what you feel. It has to be a heart thing where you are literally worshiping the King of Heaven, the Creator of the universe, who loves you, who sent His Son to die for you. And out of that heart of worship, God created me a heart of worship. That is when we go to Him in that love. Amen. He fills us with that love as well. And when, we, when He fills us with that love, we need to use it. Yes. We need to go and love the least. That's, that's mm -hmm. another part of having intimacy with God. Like we mentioned earlier, that whole water way we can become of his love. It's very mm -hmm. important. It's part of going out and loving on people is intimacy with God. Like that's mm -hmm. part of, of, of a massive part of your relationship with God. And if it's not happening, you're going to struggle to have his character because they're interlinked as we've discussed already. Um, and then lastly, you know, in terms of just intimacy with God, you know, I think it's important to just keep the Sabbath holy. Mm -hmm. That's what that commandment is for. It's to foster, to, to enable us to do a lot of the above, the things we just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't, um, because the Sabbath was given for us as a day, that is God's day, that is for us to worship Him, mm -hmm. to love the least, because that's what Messiah did on that day, to day just freedom. study the Word, to uh, repent, to mm -hmm. have forgiveness, etc. All these things. Right, to rejoice. It's a reset button for our week. And then we get back to, you know, um, it's, it's like it's not the only time we need to get with him. We need to get with him every day. But this is a day where you can really get with him. And it's very important. All right. So, brothers and sisters, you know, that brings us uh, to the end of this. You know, I, I hope that this has really blessed you and and made you. I, I really want this video to be an audit as, as, as you know, it doesn't sound as nice, but and it's not as fun always, but I want you to really use this as a wake-up call. We're coming up to the Feast of Trumpets. That is mm -hmm. a, a feast that is going to be, that, that points to the coming of the King. And He is calling us to repent and get our lives on and right with Him because time is short and we see the events of this world. This world is crazy. We need to get on board with His kingdom, foster a good relationship and intimacy with God so that we can love the least because they need us. The world needs us to be the forerunners like John the Baptist was to usher in the coming of our Messiah, Jesus, Yeshua, because He's coming back and we need to prepare that way. So prepare the way first and foremostly by getting your relationship with God in the right place, making sure you have His character. You're not working for the enemy unconsciously um, and that you're, uh, yeah, all that. So, uh, brothers and sisters, before, as we end this off, uh, I want to, um, we're going to pray. And then what we're going to do is I'm going to play a clip um, from a, a, a skit that we found that I think is going to is be just going to be the cherry on the cake for this teaching. Um, and uh, I want you to watch it. And uh, I want you to after this, if there's anything you need to repent from personally uh, before the father, he's been convicting you of while we were speaking. I want you to go before him on your knees and repent with your and pour your heart out to him. Right. So thank you so much for watching. I'm going to pray now and then I'm going to play that clip and um, we will see you guys in the next video. Right. So, Father, Lord, we just thank you, Lord God, for your 
blessings. Father, thank you for your character. Thank you, Lord, that you are the God of heaven and earth and you chose us. You came to choose us yes, by God. dying for our sins. Lord, you saw value in us because we are we are your sons. But you also came, Lord, to show us, Father, we need to repent and we need to come and turn from our sins and and, and, and to walk more like you did. Yes. Father, help us to walk like you did. Help us to have your character. Help us, Lord, to love our enemies like you did. Help us to worship like Yeshua did. Help us to, to study the word like he did. Help us yes. to understand it like that he did. Help us to have wisdom like he did. Help us to love the least like he did. Help us to, to keep the Sabbath holy like he did. Help us to, to enter your presence like he did in that garden of Gethsemane, Father, when the disciples were falling asleep. Help us to not fall asleep, Lord. Father, help us to have a fear of God. Father, help us to, to not just dwell on and jump from symptom to symptom, from sin to sin, struggling to get fulfilled. Help us to come to you, the only well that ever will matter, and to get uh, satisfied. Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit right now to just be poured out on everyone listening. I pray for your conviction to, to pierce their hearts. Lord, I pray, Lord, for you to come and empower them, to give them power over their sins, because that's what your Holy Spirit was sent to convict, but also to empower us, Father, to have power over the enemy. Father, you've given us authority over Satan and his demons. Thank you for that. So, Lord, we just speak to every demon at the sound of my voice, Lord. We speak to every person struggling with a sin and, and every demon behind it. Lord, we command every evil spirit to go in the name of Yeshua now. Every unclean spirit, I command you to leave now in the name of Yeshua. Every person listening, Father, I thank you for freedom. Lord, we command every unclean spirit of, uh, that is causing sickness in your people right now. We command that to go. Lord, I thank you, Father, for uh, any pain that everyone is, anyone is experiencing right now in their backs and their necks, shoulders. Lord, we just command that pain to leave. There's someone I just I just feel there's someone who has that. And we just command that to that pain to leave. Lord, I just thank you for cancer to go and die in the name of Yeshua. God, we just we just speak, Father, to eyesight, Lord. I thank you for healing and eyesight. Lord, there's someone who has had a a, a big fight with their parents. God, I just thank you for that, Lord, for resolution. I thank you, Father, for that to be completely restored, that relationship. And I thank you, Lord, for that. The Lord says that the, the way that this is, is going to be restored, it starts with you and it starts with you laying your life down. It starts with you going and saying, I am even though I feel right, I am going to lay my life down even for my enemies, even for my parents, even I am going to go and be humble. And I'm going to be the one who I'm going to show my love for them, even though in my heart right now I feel hate. And you need to repent from that. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for just your freedom, Lord, over your body, your bride. And God, we just thank you for the freedom we can have in Christ and we could walk like you did. Lord, help us to do that. In the name of Yeshua. Amen. All right, brothers and sisters, may God bless you. May he keep you. May he shine his face upon you, lift up his counsel upon you, give you shalom and blessings. And before you go, please uh, stay tuned. And we're going to play uh, this clip for you as this video is ending. Blessings and shalom. Blessings.